they say that, and they say yeah, and they say that. Won't stop now. Keep your hands up, get them in the sky for the homies that ain't making them. My folks locked down. I never went nowhere. What they say in loot is back. Blame it on that conjure. The hood call it loot a yak. And I'm on this foolish track. So I spit my foolish flow. My hands go up and down like strippers' booties go. My verses still be serving. Type like a million versions. Last time on a college remix. Now I'm on the original version. Can't never count me out. Y'all better count me in. Got 20 bank accounts. Accountants count me in. I don't know about that. 
we've loved. We've shared love and made love. It doesn't seem to me like it's enough. It's just not enough.
All right, y'all. Hey, what's going on out there? How y'all doing today? Welcome to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk. All right, man. We got a great show planned for you today. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I got some stuff that's going to make some of y'all upset, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. We're going to be all right. Hey, sometimes what makes you mad is better for you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying anyway. But anyway, welcome to the show, man. I'm your host, Mr. Talk here. And uh, <clears throat> as I mentioned before, we got a great show for you. Glad you can join me. Uh, let's see. Let's get the little little intricacies out of the way. Uh, let me tell you how you be a part of the show. You want to talk to me anytime during the show, the easiest way is just give me a call at 347-838-8622. Um, yeah, you can listen Join the conversation. Whatever you choose. Whatever you choose. I'm here for you. We can do all that. All right. Number two. Number two. If you're at work and you really can't talk, 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 get on your phone. Um, I have a chat room and it is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. And you can talk to me that way. And that, that, um, that'll help. I know some of y'all type fast enough. Y'all can hold a whole conversation and, and, and clean the house at the same time <laughs> or put up a building. So, yeah, chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Also, email. You can email me email me before, during, or after the show. And that's simple. Eric Letts, L-E-T-S, talk at gmail.com. And if you have any other means of communicating with me during the show, after the show, before the show, uh, feel free to do that. And, of course, you know I will respond. All right. So before we get going one more time, we're going to have one more little tiny song, nothing major. Uh, we got to go and handle something real fast. And when we come back, we'll get started. We're going to start talking about old Brittany. Brittany Griner, y'all. Yeah. I'm tired of Brittany now, but I'm going to tell you why when I come back in a minute. All right, so give me about three minutes, and we'll get started. Stand on the box, stomp your feet, stop clapping. Got a real good feeling something bad about to happen. Something bad about to happen. 
Hey, welcome back. All right. <laughs> Just a little something, something for you. Just a little something, something. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, this is the talk with Mr. Talk, and I am Mr. Talk. All right. So, as I mentioned before, we got a great show for you today, and uh, we're going to have us a little, we're going to take our time, man. We're not going to really rush today. Uh, like I said, if you want to call in and talk to me, that's fine. If you just want to sit back and listen, that's fine as well. Either way, I'm going to be here jawjacking. Uh, my co-host, she may be here and she may not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she had previous engagements today, so she said she was going to try. And, uh, yeah, she's going to be missing she don't. But anyway, y'all got me. So, whoop, 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 whoop. All right. So. Um, also, as I told you before, if you want to talk to me in time during the show, there's multiple ways you can call me. You can hit me up, um, email, I mean, Gmail, Gmail, email, same thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Or my chat room is open. And if you have any other way, you know, you can hit me up that way as well. And and don't, hey, hey, just talk to me. Okay. (laughs) If you got any questions, comments, uh, want to add anything, come on, bring it on, bring it on. Okay, now, with all that being said, let's get on with the get on. Now, before we went and played this last music by Carrie Underwood and the other little girl, I mentioned Brittany Griner. Okay, now, before I go any further, <laughs> let me go to put this out here. All right? Let me go to put this out here. I am not, I am not hating on Brittany. I am not, uh, what they say, uh, hating on black people. I am not. Uh, look, I have no animosity toward Brittany Griner. All right, I watched her play ball at Baylor. Uh, yeah, I was a big fan. You know, she she all right as a pro, not as better good as she was when she was college. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But what I'm about to say is gonna irritate some of y'all and well so be it because i just got to say it i don't know how many of y'all out there are really (laughs) are really not becoming a little irritated or frustrated uh about what's going on uh all these awards and uh accolades that britney griner is is getting well i'm gonna put it this way stop it Okay, please stop, stop, stop. Stop it. All right. Yes, Brittany Griner was uh, detained in Russia. Yes, she got detained going to play basketball. And, yeah, she got caught up in a political game. Yes. All right, she is black. Yes, she is part of the alphabet people. For those those of you who do not know who the alphabet people are, I'm going to say it for you. 
LGBTQRSTPU, yeah, the, the, those people. And, and don't be trying to call in here talking about, see, Mr. Todd, I'm talking about, you just uh, ain't got to do nothing with respect. They just got too many levels, okay? They, they, they just want to be classified as everything under the sun lately, and that's just too many levels for me to be remembering. Anyway, <laughs> back to Brittany. Uh, yes, she's an NBA, WNBA player, superstar, and yes, you know, that league has a lot of um, lady men in it, and uh, yes, uh, I guess I shouldn't have said lady men, huh? Okay, anyway, it's a powerful u- unit uh, as voices in this country, as well as the, the the LG, you know, all them letters, yeah. Okay, so yeah, she a part of all that. However, you know, when when I'm looking and they talking about the courage and what courage? What courage? Courage did it take? When she got caught, she was going to prison. There, there was no doubt about that. She was going to prison. And last weekend at the NAACP Awards, you know, once again, they paraded her out there with her wife. And, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, originally I thought she had gotten some type of award, and that really, I'm not even going to go to front on that. That really annoyed me even more. You know, however, she did not get an award. She just was being recognized uh, for overcoming adversity. Oh, yeah. And that's what Queen Latifah said when she introduced her at the NAACP Awards. Um, back home, back here with us tonight, where she belongs, are Brittany, Brittany Griner and her wife. Yeah. And Brittany got on stage and said, it feels so good to be here, especially with my beautiful, amazing wife and with all of y'all here today. And she added, I want to thank everyone, and let's keep fighting to bring home every American still detained overseas. Okay? Now, that's what she said on stage. And what I have noticed that no matter what, what um, um, appearance she's making, she always has that little piece in there. Bring every, bring home every American um, that's detained overseas. Yeah. And I thought about that. I'm like, okay, this Brittany. Yeah, but. Why she keeps saying that? And I thought, oh, that was one of the conditions of when she got back, and that was she had to say every chance she got. And that's to take, and I know most people ain't haven't thought about it like this, but you know that's to take the the, the sting and the smoke away of her being released before before some of the others that's been detained longer. You know, as long as you keep saying, see, I always tell y'all about keywords keywords and those that's a key phrase right there that's a key phrase because every time she says it that draws a little more empathy and compassion for what she went through and the the perception that she's doing everything she can or is helping to do everything they can to bring these uh prisoners overseas back to the united states 
<laughs> That's one way of looking at it. But if if you don't sit down and really analyze the, the, her comments and what she's saying and how she say them, you, you probably wouldn't even pick up on it. You would think it's something genuine. And I just don't see it being, with the history of this nation, yeah, I just don't see that being something that's genuinely coming. coming. No. I think that was a condition that, uh, or part of a deal that was made. You know, anytime you go up to talk, you know, make sure you thank the appropriate uh, um, people and make sure you say you want the uh, detainees from across, you know, uh, uh, in other countries to come home safely. Now, as that as good as that sounds, you can believe me. There are those out there that are not going to forget who she was traded for um, to come back to this country. <laughs> they just not going to forget that, you know. Yeah, Mr. Smith won't forget that. Mr. Smith lovers are not going to forget that. Okay, the so-called all oh, hot dog and apple pie American not going to forget that. Because they believe it was a tragedy. They believe that that should have never happened. Never. So they're not going to forget. And I, I, I hope Whitney, Whitney Brittany um, understands that. It's just not, it just wasn't going to happen. But anyway, back to what I was saying. You know, Brittany, yeah, she got caught up in a bad situation at the time. You know, let's be honest, y'all. And this, you know, and this is one of the things that's not ever mentioned or never has been admitted is she broke the Russian law. That's just that simple. Now, has she probably done it before? Yes, I, 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 I'm giving that, yes. More than likely. I mean, she's been over there four or five years, you know, playing basketball. So I'm sure this is not the time. That wasn't the first time. However, looking at the totality and the technicality of it, she broke the law of another country. And, and while I'm on that point, for those that's true, getting ready to travel, no matter where you are, especially out of the United States of America, you better make sure you know the laws. Just because you have a prescription for a certain uh, medication, herbal substance, uh, whatever you may have, you still maybe want to check and see if it's legal where you're going. Because if you're detained, whether they they rule it, the State Department rule it. Um, what what they say? Um, um, well, it wasn't. It wasn't basically legal, basically what they're calling it. Uh, I forgot the, the terminology they use. I'll get to it in a minute. But anyway, basically what they're saying is, yeah, she was detained, but she shouldn't have been. And, it, hey, it could happen to you. But, see, you can't go around the other countries trying to live United States rules. That just don't happen that way. And if anything should be learned from that is this Brittany Griner, Brittany Griner situation. Yeah, she broke the law, though. Uh, and I think that's why it's, it's beginning to bother me a little bit as I see her paraded out. And 
She broke the law. And this is where I, I kind of believe that her uh, celebrity status played a role in her actually getting back. Not only does, that she was a celebrity per se sports figure, you know, but she's a black woman. She's a gay black woman. Uh, she plays in the WNBA. I mean, what 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 other voting block do you need to to to, to put pressure on you to get somebody out of prison? I don't care where it is. But let's not forget the fact that she broke the law, y'all. So, you know, people talk about she's a hero. What is she a hero for? What his heroic act did she perform? Going to a Russian prison, was that heroic? No, that wasn't even by choice. I can see it was by choice. She went in there and rescued three, four, five hundred. No, I ain't gonna say it. Three, four, five prisoners and came back. You know, yeah, but that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. So stop putting this person up here on this pedestal and making them and making it seem like they are so. They have done so much because she didn't do anything but go to prison. That's what Brittany Griner did, y'all. She went to prison because she took something into the rushing to Russia that was not allowed legally. Simple as that. Period. That doesn't make her a hero. All right, that's that, that's what I'm saying. That does not make her a hero. That's all I want to say about that. And that has been bugging me for the last couple of weeks. You know, <laughs> anybody know me? You know, that's been on my mind heavy. Like, why? Why are we still doing this? Let her give her 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 her, her statements that she has promised to give, and then. Let her get on with her life, and we get on. But no, every 10 minutes, we got to turn around, and, that, 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 and here's Brittany Griner, and here's Brittany Griner and her wife, and uh, illegally detained, that's what it was. But, um, yeah, come on, y'all. We, we have a tendency of doing that, but we don't understand the repercussions of it. The lesson learned now should have been, don't take anything to to a foreign country that you don't think is legal. Because you never know when they're going to bust you or when someone going to look. You know, sometimes you can taste the things, places, and people have search or, you know, they just wave you through. But that one time, just that one time can happen where you get that extra, extra strict person that want to go through everything, go buy the book. So make sure you know the laws of these other countries before you go vacationing, you know, thinking you're going to go over there. Hey, man, I'm going to take my vape pen and I'm going to sit on the, the the beach and just puff away or, you know, you know, make sure that's what <laughs> – make sure it's legal. Because let's be honest, number one, you're American, so, so you're going to stand out anyway. Most most countries feel that Americans are very arrogant, and pretty much so, yes. 
You know, you just stand out from faction, from fashion, behavior, appearance. Yeah. And let's not get a big talk about the language that none of us understand <laughs> anyway. So I'm, I'm just saying, let's take the real lesson from this and, and quit letting our heads be filled with this nonsense that she's some type of hero or, or, or she did some great feat because it, it, it didn't happen like that. It did. That's all I'm saying. So that's it on Britney. But, I, I, you know, that's one. Here's the next one. Chicago, they just had the, I guess, uh, um, not primary, but uh, I forgot what they call them. I guess it is a primary um, for mayor. See who's going to be the next mayor of, of the city of Chicago. And the incumbent, Lori Lightfoot. <sighs> poor Lori, poor Lori, poor Lori. Anyway. Lori Lightfoot, she didn't win her primary matchup, so she will no longer, you know, whenever the general election is, she will no longer, you know, be the mayor of Chicago. Now, Lori Lightfoot was a very interesting person, besides being the first woman, black woman, black gay woman. Y'all, y'all notice how all that, the, the black gay woman, the black woman, uh, why can't you just say she was the first woman mayor? No, you got to be all this other stuff. See, that's where we get it all screwed up, man. We got those labels on everything. But anyway, I digress on that because y'all know how I feel about all that also. But anyway, Lori Lightfoot. <laughs> I, I really I, I really feel bad for anyone who takes over that city as mayor. I really do. Because the situation that is in now as far as crime, oh, man, that's a no-win situation for anybody. There's no way one person will be able to clean up anything in like Chicago when it comes to crime in a, a three-, four-year period, however long she was in office. I, I just, no, I can't see that. And then to go and antagonize the, the, the people that's trying to help you, doesn't help you any. Doesn't help you any. And I think that's basically what happened to Lori Lightfoot. She didn't realize the situation that she was getting herself into when she became mayor. You know, we often hear, I say it all the time, they get up there and they promise you the world until they get in, get in there and then realize, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize it was that bad or that it was going to take this much. Now, let's be honest. She had a lot of things going against her. Number one, trying to, to, to clean up the city of Chicago crime-wise, crime okay? Number two, she's a black Democrat. <laughs> let's go to put it up. She's a black Democrat, a woman, member of the LGABCDEFG group. I, she had it hard from the get-go, and she didn't even do anything but made it worse for herself. And y'all know they, they, they're going to be hard on Chicago anyway because that's where Obama's from. Well, that's where he claimed anyway. 
So, you know, they, they put extra micro, uh, 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 magnifying glasses on that, on that place. Now, is the crime really as bad as they make it seem? Um, I don't know. There are spurts where you wonder what's going on in Chicago. There is. You know, I don't live in Chicago, so I can't say firsthand what's really going on. But from uh, the, the the research that I've done, it's not the, uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it it's hard. It, it really is. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to um to try and, and clean a place like that up. And I don't know. I, I don't have any idea how to do it at this point. Because it's like, it's more or less so out of control in certain parts of that city besides a complete and total shutdown again. You know, we had one of those already, remember? Um, I don't know how how else you would be, (laughs) you would be able to even put a dent in it. That's for real. I mean, it's for real. I just got a text and say, yes, it's that bad. So if you if you you're counting on a, a politician to come in and clean it up, hey, that is not going to work. That's not going to work. You know, I'm a bit advocate for uh, self community policing. I am. And when I mean that, I mean we go out there, the the the, the members of the community or neighborhood, and you you, polo, you police it and clean up the place yourself. You know the little bad behinds doing something wrong, you tell them. And you stop it. But the problem is a lot of the ones that, you know, back in our day would be considered elders, are some of the same ones that are out there pushing the young ones to go and do all this craziness that's going on. So how do you expect some person or someone to come in and clean that up? If you don't have the support of the community, it's it's a lost battle. It really is. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, there was this big movement, defund the police, defund the police, which is is basically counterproductive. Not like I'm sure the police really aren't, law enforcement aren't really trying to go up in there anyway right now. You know, it's to the point of this, all right, let them kill each other, let them, let them do what they're going to do, then we go up and just clean it up. And that's 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 a horrible way to look at it. So how do you fix it? Chicago, St. Louis, some places in Florida. How do you fix it? Are are we gonna continue to to lean on these so called um um politicians or activists or what have you? And, but the results are the same. Different people are changing, but the results are the same. Why are the results the same? Why are the results the same? 
because the neighborhoods and the communities are not getting involved in helping. I know a few years ago there was this group of mothers that used to walk the street of Chicago in their little neighborhood to help uh, uh, try and clean it up. I don't know if that group is still active or not, or not, but they were actually making a little headway. Now, you know, of course, this was a pre-COVID. It was pre-COVID, so I don't know what happened after that, whether they're still out there doing it. And I've seen some spots, you know, where there's a, a group of black men doing it. But let's be honest. You got nine, ten black men, uh, nine, ten black women out there doing a community, which is good. But what about the rest of it? What about the rest of the communities around it? Okay, so if it was me and I was running one of the, the groups, I'd be like, uh, all right, y'all. What we're going to do, we're going to stay away from over there, all right? Off limits. Let's not even bother that. But what's around it, yeah, we we controlling this. And that's the other thing. When are they going to figure out that they're fighting over something that don't belong to them anyway? Why? You know, you riding around, going through neighborhoods, spraying, not even looking at what you're shooting, not even making sure that's the right place you, <laughs> the person you after lives, and you just around there spraying. Killing everything in sight. You don't care. And you can't tell me you don't. Some of y'all out there don't know Ray Ray and, and Junebug and the crew out there doing it. See, that's what I'm saying is a, a, a community policing. We know. We just turn a blind eye to it. And then we get up there and want to blame all the politicians for the problems. <sighs> Come on now. Come on. Work with me here. Yeah, work with me here. <laughs> but this is this is a different different generation. And I mean we've had this discussion before on here. You know, the the the, the age difference between um parent and child is not as pronounced or wide as it was back in the day. And even if it wasn't, maybe fifteen, sixteen years in between there was a different uh, um, level of respect, a, a different level of expectation back then. There is no level of respect anymore when it comes to, to, to them type of things. There's not. And the expectation, that's simple. Go out there and shoot up something and prove yourself to us. That's how you're going to do it. We got all these people around here talking about fighting for gun control, some fighting for this, and, and gun control, we need to stop the guns. And If a gun is laying on the table, it doesn't fire at anybody, does it? There's plenty, plenty of, I'm saying guns because I'm talking in my, my uh, non-military speech right now. But I'm going to switch to weapons. There's plenty of weapons in, in pawn shops and, you know, places that hang on the wall 24-7. They haven't shot anybody. So the, the logical conclusion would be, is it the weapons? The weapons? Or is it those that have access or continue to get access, whether legally or illegally, that's handling these weapons or those weapons. Yeah. 
Oh, it sounds good when you hear them say, well, our Second Amendment right, and then you have the other side say, well, the Second Amendment right has some limitations. Yeah, we know that. As per law, it does. If you're a felon, you can't, you're not supposed to have a weapon. If you've committed certain crimes, you're not supposed to have a weapon. If you did certain things, you're not supposed to have. So, yes, there are some limitations. They're not going to tell you that because they don't want you to know that because it defeats their part of the argument. Then you have those that's for the Second Amendment. It's our right to have weapons. Okay, fine. I get it. You know, if you look, and this is what's very interesting to me, are you aware that if your weapon is stolen in many states, you do not have to report it? Isn't that an interesting law? <laughs> That that's is I I just was I was shocked at that that right there. If you like you say you keep your weapon in, in, in your car, your car is broken into and it's stolen, you don't have to report that. There's a weapon out there on the street. You can't really trace it nowhere to the the owner, and and it's just out there doing being used for whatever. But we're not going to talk about that because that is not a, a, a part of the argument that anybody wants to discuss. Because actually it defeats both sides. <laughs> it really does. Deform, de, de, defund the police department. Yeah, they got enough problems trying to recruit now. And I get it, black people. I get it. You know, a lot of y'all love saying, I can't use say that because they keep killing us. Yes, I know. They keep killing us. But not all of them are killing us just because. Not all of them. Now, I would be remiss in, in, in saying, yeah, some of them out there, yeah, they, they're no, they're no good. But there's others out there. It, it, <laughs> We find we we just give them reasons sometimes. Unnecessary reasons. I've said this on the show before, and y'all know it. Y'all heard me say it. Sometimes we cause our own, our own detriment by doing dumb stuff. Yeah, doing dumb stuff. That's what we do. I've been stopped by law enforcement a few times. And I have yet to run into a bad encounter with any of them. Even when I know, I knew I had done nothing wrong. But just because. But it was the way I conducted myself that uh, <laughs> probably helped me, you know, walk away or do whatever. And that's what I'm saying. Sometimes we just bring it on because we just want to be defined and revolutionary, and we just got to argue. Shut the heck up. Take the ticket, take the warning, and move on. Fuss about it on your way down the road something. There's some of you crazy behinds who want to get out your car and run, start the car up and take off. Why? You was going to get a ticket for a broken taillight. Ugh. But you six feet under now because you decided you was going to get out and run with a limp. And 
that's the other thing. If you're going to run, make sure you can run. We know law officers aren't in the best of shape. <laughs> Let's be honest, they're not. But God dang, y'all. At least make sure you can run a little bit. Now, I'm not advocating for you to do that, but I'm just, if, you know, you just have that itching to you want to see if you can outrun, yeah, go ahead. Make sure you can do it. But you remember, you know, that's that thing coming out of that chamber. You're not going to outrun that too often. You know, actions have consequences. And some of those consequences have turned out to be very fatal for individuals. And then you get the family on TV. Oh, my God, why? You know, there was one I saw where this guy went into the store. I think it was a family dollar. And he tried to rob the store. Well, unfortunately, that day was not the right day for him to go in there because the clerk shot him and killed him and killed him. Yeah, I said killed. (laughs) But, yeah, the, the clerk shot him. Took him out. Now, I'm gonna show. I'm about to tell you and show you just how delusional we as black people can be. Sometimes the family got on national television and said, "Well, I know he was wrong, but they didn't have to shoot him. Really? Are you really gonna go there with that?" They really didn't have to shoot him, but he's brandishing a weapon, threatening to fire on them, shoot them. But you want them to show mercy and not kill him. No, it doesn't work like that. And quit telling these liars. He was such a good boy. You know Pookie and Ray are out there running. You know they're out there running. But you want to stand up here and, and, and if by chance, Ben Crump, Al Sharpton, and all them come and want to start talking in your family's face, man, send them criminals away because they're not there for you. They're not even there for the black community. They're there for their organizations and their businesses to work a deal out with whoever is being sued so they can get money on the back end. That's what they're doing. Al Sharpton has been doing it for years. Benjamin Crump, you notice he don't take up every case. He takes up certain ones that's going to get national, national attention. And Al Sharpton get up here in these, these, these funerals, you know, and he's going to you know, do this great eulogy or preach this and have everybody hooping. Yeah. Bamboozling people. And we steady fall for it. Did it fall for it? I'm just saying, y'all. Getting back to Chicago, though. <laughs> you see how Chicago that took me way over there? Well, I'll tell you. But getting back to Chicago, that's a hard. I, I really feel that that is a job where I think uh, it, it's, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to go in there. I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever they want to label you, to go in there and do that in one term, two terms, even three or four, without the help of the community. And I'm not just talking about one community. I'm not just talking about the black community. I'm not just talking about the white. I'm talking about working together. Together, together. Yeah, working together. 
It seems to be such a hard thing to do. Let the media tell us that. Or if you watch social media and you see all these so-called Karens out there acting up, I personally haven't haven't ran into a Karen yet. (laughs) If I did, I probably could do nothing but laugh at them. I I probably would because of the ignorance. But that's just me being the sick person that I am. I know some of y'all be like, I wish something where that would. I go outside of here. Why? And what is that going to solve? They still going to be the Karen. Right? So both of you stand up arguing at each other, and everybody got around looking with the cameras out, whatever. And that's it. Hmm. Nothing solved. Same thing. Let's keep it going. Keep it moving. You know, isn't that amazing, though, how that works today? You know, there used to be where you see somebody spiting or what have you, and somebody would try and break it up. Somebody's about to, you know, get run over. You try and, no, not today. Today we pull out cameras and turn record on. We got to record it all to see who can get the most likes from showing it first. Now, I understand in some cases that video has helped convict some individuals, has helped exonerate some individuals. I understand that. But dang, shouldn't somebody, you know, say, wait a minute, we got a lot of cameras going. Let me go and see if I can help. I don't think that really crosses a lot of people's mind. They just want to get the video and put it on social media and do great things and watch how many people watch it and see how many comments you get, what type of the comments you get. And basically that's what's good. You know what? And basically that's what's going on in Chicago right now. Everybody's got video cameras out, but nobody's trying to step in and really help solve anything. Y'all like the way I brought that back around. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Of course it was. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, but anyway, you know, that's, 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 that's the way I see it right now. You know, was Lori Blackfoot, like him, I call her Blackfoot, Lightfoot a, a great mayor? No. No. Not not at all. Was it her policies? Maybe. Was it her attitude or approach to others? Maybe. Like I said, I wasn't in Chicago. I don't know. I can only go by what I was, you know, researching and reading. However, you know, reading over the few years that I've had on her, yeah, she she wasn't the most friendly person or easiest person to deal with. And I kind of understand being in the situation that she was in. You know, that that was a, (laughs) she had to prove a lot. She really did. She had to prove a lot. So whoever is next up in Chicago, you know, I wish them well. And I hope they can do something. But all I'm saying, people, don't hold your breath. You know, don't hold your breath. (laughs) because <laughs> that's that's I, I, that's a job i would man i would not i would stop at alderman i there's no way i would even try and be mayor of chicago i'm i'm sure being alderman is just as bad but to be mayor of the whole city uh no 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 i, I couldn't do that at all Mm-mm. not chicago 
No. No. Mm-mm. And then to top it all off, you got to deal you got to deal with with the Bears, the Cubs, and the White Sox and the Bulls and the Blackhawks. Oh man. That that just makes it even worse because you don't even have any pleasure in the outside stuff. <laughs> I know that was wrong. I shouldn't have did that, but I couldn't resist. Oh. But yeah. So let's see what happens. Um yeah, let's see what, what what happens with with this next mayor. Of course, I'll be paying attention. None of y'all have to. I will. Because <laughs> that's what I do. Oh, hmm That's what I do. I pay attention to that kind of stuff. Okay. So, so far, we've talked about Brittany Grinder. And we talked about Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. Yeah, those are two individuals, you know. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, it's, Brittany can go and play basketball. She signed a one-year contract to play basketball, you know, in Phoenix again. It's okay. I mean, I don't know why anybody expected that she wouldn't. She'd have missed, she missed all the last season, so she got some rest. <laughs> I know I should have said it like that, but she did. She wasn't playing basketball, that's for sure. But she wasn't. But I, I wish I just wish people stopped parading her around like she's some sort of hero because she really she really isn't. She really isn't. She's more of a figure that can be used politically for those that want to seize the opportunity. Yes. So that's how I feel about Brittany, okay? That I mean I just had to put that out there. Lightfoot in Chicago. Hey, maybe whatever she decides to do for him out be good. Um, yeah. <laughs> she had a hard job. She had a hard job. And whoever comes in after her, they're going to have even a hard, a hard job as well. In fact, their job probably would be even more difficult because they have to follow her now. So whatever um, confidence, or a lack of confidence she established as mayor of Chicago, whoever come in going to have to change that. It's like in sporting where when a new coach comes into the team and they mention changing the culture. Yeah. Now, how are they going to change the culture in Chicago? I have no idea. I, I, I must admit, I don't know. It's going to take a lot. It is. But it's going to take the community. <sighs> Yeah, this is going to take the community. (laughs) Here we go. Yeah. So let's see how that turns out, how that turns out. Um, Let's see, what else we got up here? Uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. All right, so let's talk about the Supreme Court student forgiveness thing. Yeah, this student student forgiveness. Isn't that <laughs> a student loan forgiveness? I guess that's what you should call it, student loan forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. That's interesting in itself. And, yeah, 
we're going to talk about that because it's interesting how the uh, Supreme Court is viewing this question or this request right now. Um, they heard a lot about it, and uh, it's going to be interesting here. Uh, let's see. We got somebody who want to add something, so let's bring them in for a few minutes. All right, Triple One, welcome to the show. Who do I have here and what you got for me? Say, brother, Mr. Talk, you ain't got to feel bad for Lori Lightfoot. Things actually looking up for you. You want to know why? Why, Sarge? Why? Because she could take that big unit of hers and she could go do some porno films. She could even call herself the not-Italian stallion. That's not even funny. I Wait a minute, I got one that's even better than that. I, just, I, can Thanks, I got something that's even better than that. Thanks for even looking up even more so. For. Remember, she said she had the biggest unit in Chicago. I didn't make her say it. She said it publicly. She didn't even say it behind closed doors. And wait a minute. And, 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 but things are even better for her, potentially. Now she will no longer be the worst active mayor in the United States. So I say thanks for looking up for good old Laurie. Well, okay, I can see that part. I, I, I can actually see that part. However, uh, whoever takes over <laughs> right now, you know, unless they do something drastic, can be considered the worst mayor. I mean, there's nothing. Look, 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 Mr. Talk, let's, let's, let's be real right here, away. okay? Few mayors in the history of the United States have ever inherited a worse situation than what Rudy Giuliani came in with an average of over 1,500 murders a year in Chicago during the years of the Dinkins administration. But with his policies, which we know work, it's not a secret as to what are effective policing policies in big cities. It's not a secret. Once you implement those policies, well known by anybody with even a modicum of knowledge about police tactics, techniques, and procedures, then that number went from 1,500 a year to under 400 a year. It's not a mystery. She lost okay. the election because of the crime issue and particularly the homicide issue. Exactly. She did not want to do what was necessary to fix it. It's just that and simple. What was, okay. So, since it's that simple, what was necessary for her to fix it? Okay, here's it. You take the shackles off your police. You tell them, you don't tell them you can't pursue for a minor crime or a low-level felony. Because you never know what that's going to lead to when you catch the bastard. You don't tell them that. You, that you don't tell them you break off all pursuits. Particularly vehicular ones. Yes, I understand the need. Some of them are necessary and should be ended, but not all of them. It sends the wrong message to the police officers. Look at look at the situation there, man. Every single major category of crime is up by at least 39%, if not higher. There is no major category of violent crime that is not up in Chicago. I worked that city. I worked with the Chicago Police Department and the Cook County Sheriff's Police and the Cook County Correctional Department and all the institutions there. I heard this story. I know what it goes on in Chicago, and it was nowhere near as bad as it is now. This is ridiculous. So, what happened uh, in I, Chicago is a disgrace and an atrocity, and that woman, if she, had, if she wasn't so arrogant, stupid, and hubristic, she would have a sense of shame, but she doesn't. 
She's a fool, and she deserves the disgrace that's been heaped on her. Wow, that's a strong word, fool, man. Oh, let I'm, me not, ask I'm you holding this. back, brother. Okay, so let me ask you this, Sarge. So in that case, then, what tactics, well, besides that, so what you're telling me is she didn't try, she didn't try and, and help at all. And do you think getting the community involved would help with this thing, this problem Chicago has? <laughs> Greg, let me say something. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> no, 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 seriously. I mean, of course, of course, the, the getting the community involved always helps the police. Of course it does. But look. Most, not most, but okay, a very significantly high percentage of police solving crimes, particularly closing homicides, comes from tips from the community, frequently from bad guys who are trying to ratting on other bad guys that they want to get rid of. Frequently, not always, because, you know, the regular people in the community, they know a lot of what's going on, too. But the community involvement's always been there. What you don't want to do is to undermine it by making you think the police are fascist, jackbooted, goose-stepping um, Nazi occupiers. Now, I understand the need to regulate the police. And look what happened. The Laquan McDonald thing in Chicago was an absolute disgrace. The police department, the city council, and the mayor's office, who mayor at times, Ron McDonald, were in on it. And that is one of the worst examples of corruption that undermines community trust in the police. I get it. All but right, you don't I'm do it as a general rule. That's what she was doing. Oh, ah, okay. All right. That's what she was doing. That's what she was doing. Yes, every opportunity she would that she would take the opportunity to show. I'm going to creep these police from oppressing my community, my people, and your people are dying, lady. What you're doing is enabling them to be killed. Police used to have a Chicago police department used to have a homicide clearance rate of over ninety percent meaning they would make an arrest and most of the time get a conviction for almost every homicide committed in the city. Now it's under 50%. Now who does that benefit? It benefits everybody, actually, if it's under. It's under the 90%. You know, the clearance rate for homicide, meaning clearance is uh, when, when, when a crime is it's resolved all. either right. by an arrest, either by an arrest, or, 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 or some sort of relatives like the offender is dead and can no longer be prosecuted. That's how you clear the crime. Right. When you okay. don't clear over half of them, when you don't clear over half of them, that means you're not solving them. Correct. And that's the problem. So how is the community helped by not solving homicides, which is most people consider to be the most serious crime that there is? Well, if the community can get community can become involved before it gets to that point, then maybe it will help, Sarge. I, I don't have the answers. I mean, you put in the cart before the horse. You put in the cart before the horse. Well, I'm just okay. Chicken and egg thing, you know. It's got to be chicken and egg thing. Yeah, it's but I'm like just going by how it worked when I was growing up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I, and there was logic then. You know, you, you community. The, took care of, of those out there that did what they did. You know, that's all I'm saying. And I don't Oh, see so you want know. vigilante justice, is that it? Oh, okay. Well, look, if it's vigilante, no, okay. It wasn't, no, it wasn't vigilante justice, okay? It was neighborhoods, grandmothers, and memas and all them, you know, saying, hey, boy, what you doing? Uh-uh, uh-uh, you know, uh -oh. and they handle it. Now, oh, so we, you mean the kind of communities that I, that 
I grew up in where black men who were fathers living continuously with their children were running the things. Yeah, I'd like to see that too again. You like to see that again too? Heck you yeah. and me both. Uh-huh. Of course. That's the kind of community yeah. I grew up in. What you're describing is what I grew up knowing. Right. Exactly. Black men, authority figures, running young black men, and slap them upside the head from time to time. Tell them stop being a damn fool, boy. Get your head on straight. Exactly. Yeah, I'd like to see that community come back, but your Democrats kind of undermine that, too. They have they really done a good job of undermining that. Like LBJ said it best, man, too. He said, he said, he said, uh, you know, I, once I get my great side through, I had to vote in Democrat for the next 200 years. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we know, so, so, like I said, you know, you keep you, that some. There are some political and, and 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 social ideological factions that tend to exacerbate the problems more than others. I agree with that. And I think we're witnessing that in Chicago, in Washington, in New Orleans, in Philadelphia, in Detroit, in Los Angeles, in San Francisco. In fact, if you will look at the crime figures, sir, and I all this already been proven by the Crime Prevention Research Center that went to every single one of the oh, more than 3,300 counties in the United States, and they found, because not every county reports to the FBI on, on homicides and violent crime. Most do, but many don't. And they found in their research that 85% of all homicides, I'm, not, I'm excluding suicides now, I'm talking about homicides, where a person is killed by the deliberate actions of another. That's what a homicide okay. is. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. 85% of all homicides in the United States occur in 15 counties in the United States. Let me say that again. I'm sorry, 31 counties in the United States. 85%, 31 counties in the United States. And guess where just about every single one of those counties is located? Every one, 10 of them are the 10 biggest cities with the highest homicide rates. Every one of them run by a Democrat. Every single one. No exceptions. So then they'll say, well, Little Rock is one of the highest ones. It's located in a red state, Arkansas. But guess what Little Rock is? It's run by a Democrat, where the people most closest to the people run the police department. Okay. All right. So they threw that part out there. So here's here's another uh, another question for you then. Did this the, the jump in crime all occur directly as a result of these individuals being elected, or was it something that gradually got worse as it went on, no matter who was in office? See, I uh, think no, I, I, no, I, I think it's an inevitable result of policies. Policies enacted by a particular ideological mindset, and that policy is the policy of the Democrat Party. So it is inevitable that the policies, no matter what party they belong to, if you're Republican and you espouse these same policies, then you will get similar results to what's going on in these Democrat cities. You'll get the same kind of results. So it's a policy-driven thing, and it just so happens that these particular set of policies are sacraments, practically, in the Democrat Party, especially the ones of today, especially since the death of St. George Floyd. St. George Floyd. Now, that man was no saint. Uh, well, you better ask Democrats about that, because I saw Nancy Pelosi and a bunch of de- congressional Democrats kneeling in the rotunda in the Capitol building, praying yeah, to yeah. St. George. <laughs> so okay. maybe you ought to ask them, maybe they didn't get the message that he ain't. 
Maybe I better check with the Pope. Well, I, I don't think that's the reason why they were kneeling to, to pray to St. George. Okay. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> they were kneeling. They were kneeling because of what, uh, how he died and what happened. Now, not to praise him. I mean, because uh, let's be honest. I see. Yeah, I see. They yeah, could no. stop. Maybe they think to do that, but maybe a few GIs getting killed in any in Iraq or Afghanistan. You think maybe, maybe a firefighter well, went to a burning well, building. Well, maybe well, somebody who got killed by a thug well, that they tend well, to release all the time. Well, I had to do it for St. George. A well, fentanyl. St. George, see, a fentanyl. Okay. But this is this just hasn't been going on either, Sarge. This has been something that's been going on for a while. And regardless of how you try and screw it, uh, it's more than just Democrats. It's the Republicans. It's the it's not even Republicans. It's the dang political system. Period. Across the country, man. Okay. Uh, again, I would like to point out, and I want to reemphasize this point. 85% of homicides occur in 31 counties in the United States. There are 3,300 counties in the United States, a little bit more than 3,300 counties. 58% of counties in the United States don't even report one homicide a year. Now, we know that... the problem is not across the United States. It is concentrated in a very few locales. It is not a nationwide problem. If the homicide rate in these in these counties that I'm speaking of was the same as the other counties in the United States on average, the United States would have a lower homicide rate than about seven of the major countries in Europe, which they tell us are examples for homicide reduction. Despite the fact that there's 393 million firearms in private hands in the United States. See, we don't want to face the truth about it. We prefer to lie to ourselves about it because it's easier to do. That means we don't have to be introspective. Now, you know, when you start talking about it like that, you, as I always tell you, because you, you like to throw numbers and stats out and things like that, I'm going to check myself. And um, the next week I'm, I'm going to come back and, and, and see. Right, here's where you if start, you, Crime if, Prevention if, if, Research if, Center. Go there and okay. look, look up their data. Yeah. Look at how their if, methodology if, and how they updated. Remember, they to went right, to I'm every afraid. one of the, third, uh, the counties in the United States and asked for their homicide data. Well, we know all counties. We already know all counties don't don't report their homicide Again, rate. Again, that's why no, they don't report to the FBI. But yeah, you can I mean, get the reports if you but, go there. Uh, Most people stop at the FBI uniform crime reports. And not you're not required to report to the FBI. It's not a requirement. There's no law that says a law enforcement agent has to report crime data to the FBI. It's encouraged. I kind of wish that the, these counties would, but they're not required. So that's why the Crime Prevention Research went, went to each county and made an individual request, records request, to find the data. Well, I'll find out for myself. That's but why as I, I believe saying, it's more accurate than even earlier, relying on the FBI UCR. As I was saying earlier, you know, in a lot of cities and county and states, it's not even required to report a weapon if it's stolen. <laughs> I know it's not. Not to the federal government, it's not required, but they keep their own internal records. Yeah, I mean, not even the, not even the federal government, states, counties, cities. You know, some of them just don't require it. Uh, I can guarantee you that every single state in the union 
has a method for requiring records to be kept of crimes. I can guarantee you that. Right. And police, police officers, when they make, uh, the only way that would not happen is if police officers were not required to make out a, a, a police report with a reporting number that is kept as part of the archives of every police department. Now, if something doesn't get entered into the record, then obviously that would never be reported. Now, if right. you have departments that are that corrupt, then I guess you're right. But if you're going to say this is something that uniformly happens across the United States, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have uniform across the United States. It might happen in one place. What I'm saying is, whether the officer does a report or not, if the individual whose weapon was taken doesn't mention it, then how is the officer even supposed to know? No, no, because if an officer complicates a citizen's property or something in their possession, they're required to fill out a no, property no, receipt and or an evidence saying. voucher. You're missing what I'm it saying. It is illegal no. to seize property no, from citizens missing, unless you I'm account saying. for it. You're missing what I'm saying, Sarge. What I'm telling you is, if somebody was to break in your car and you have a weapon in your car, and it's stolen during that break-in, and the officer oh, well, comes to take your point. No one reports it. If the street falls in the port, exactly. then they make a found. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's my point right well, there. I mean, how can, you, well, how can you expect the police to account for things they cannot be aware of? Exactly. So does, doesn't so, that So say, you say, well, how big do you think that problem is then? What <laughs> percentages... What do you think is being left out? 2%, 3%, 5%, 10%? I don't what? know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, be well, I, look, I don't think it's significant, even if it is, even if it does happen. I'm sure, it, I'm sure it does happen. In fact, I know it happens. But yeah. I don't think it's significant enough to offset these numbers. You don't Not think by so? any stretch of the imagination. Hmm, okay. Like I said, I'll go and do my research, and then we'll... We, we're bringing oh, look it up. I've got your research, and I'll be happy to come on here and talk because I've I've learned more data from other sources since, and they tend to corroborate what they what they've already gotten. This well, is not true. a wide, not a nation. This homicide problem we got is not nationwide. It is concentrated in certain locales. There are ten cities that you can name, and it's all start with Democrat: Chicago, uh, uh, Memphis, um, Philadelphia, Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco. You go on and on down, and every single one of them is run by Democrats. And you think that's not just just not a coincidence? That's a common denominator, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, as far as you're concerned, that's the but common they're denominator. they're all big cities. They're all big uh-huh. cities, too. Right. Okay. But the main commonality for me, though, is Democrat. Okay. Of course, because that's the way you're going to lean towards that's your party. You like and anyway. I'm not lying when I say it, because you look, the 10 top seeds with the absolute number of murders and the highest homicide rate, it's literally the truth. Now, you could say it's not because of the fault of the Democrat leader. I'm not going to believe that, but you could say that. But you cannot okay. deny that it, they are all Democrat-administered. Okay, wait a minute now, because you, you're going to backtrack a little bit here. So you're saying it could be, but it's not guaranteed that that is the reason why, because of no, Democrat no, no. I'm, I'm giving you an argument. I'm, I'm not accepting it. I believe it's demonic policies of the Democrat Party. That's my belief. Yeah, but I'm willing belief. to concede I could be wrong, but I don't think I okay. am. Okay. All right. And I'm simply saying that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you an out that just because the Demo- correlation, of course, is not necessarily causation. I mean, I've always said that. Look, you have to so give when me I an say, when I say when I say Democrat cities um, uh, cause uh, extraordinarily high rates of crime, particularly homicides, that's simply correlation with no evidence to sustain it. 
That's what something I'm saying. And again, that runs contrary to my belief okay. that correlation right. is not necessarily causation. For a bit, wait a minute, for a little bit but more But then again, I look now. at the way Democrats run big cities, and I got to say, hey, maybe there's something to do the way they administer things that cause these sorts of things. All right, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's go back for a minute. You say when you say Democratic run, are you meaning the constituents or the I actual mean the chief executive officer, a chief executive officer, the elected chief executive officer, which is more often a mayor, is a Democrat. That's what I mean. Okay. I'm just trying to get some clarity now. So uh, I, I love me. I'm happy you asked me for clarity. I believe in clarity over agreement. And so, okay. uh, yes, uh, uh, it is when you when you ask who the chief executive, because the chief executive officer, in almost all cases, with very few exceptions, is responsible mm-hmm. for the police department and the way it runs the, its affairs. Okay. Notice I didn't say in control of, I said responsible for. All right. Now, I'm going to tell you one of them. When I go and research, I'm going to go back in 10 years, 10 years. I know they'll probably go up to, uh, let's see, we're in 23, so they probably only go up to 21 or 22. But I'm going to go and check. I'm going to check and see. Okay? So, and then we're going to come uh, back. We're going to be excellent. I'd be most excellent. I'd be, and I'd be happy. I'll tell you what. Let me see. Uh, uh, oh, what was this? I was going to think. Um, Chicago, and look, the one thing I remember about Chicago when I was working out, we'd, there'd be spikes of crimes in, in, in Chicago, okay? There'd be spikes okay. of crimes and things would be out of control. People would lament it. Before, be, before you get started, when did you work in Chicago? I was in Chicago from 1978 to 2004. Woo, Lord. So, okay. So I'm saying that in, in between those times, um, you would have spikes in crime. And it, it would go up and down. And they have periods of, but there was never, I can, that I can recall, speaking to the Chicago cops, any of the law enforcement agencies that worked in the city, and occasionally even the feds every now and then. I run a few feds every now and then. Uh-huh. There was never a time when they think they couldn't get a handle on the problem in Chicago. That they, when they put their resources to it, they couldn't fix the problem and tamp it down. And the public had a general perception that they could, even if it wasn't true. The public had enough faith in the police department to believe that if things started to get out of control, they'd be able to bring things in and get them back to what people would consider an acceptable level of crime in the city of Chicago. I think that is no longer the case for the first time that I can ever remember. That's what's different now. Hmm. All right. Got you. So we're going we gonna to talk some more on this, Sarge, because you know, I, I like this kind of discussion right here. Okay, I got you. We're going to talk a little bit more about it. And, and, and I agree with you, man. You know, there's, there's a shocking lack of corroboration for what people say because, you know, they, they refer – most people today prefer narratives to actual fact. To some extent, true. that's true for me too, but not in the final analysis. I always look for corroboration for what I believe. I mean, factual, empirical, or epistemological data that you can back up, corroborate, and have someone else check. Like the scientific method for your belief system, you know what I mean? I believe that's <laughs> more important than anything else. What can you say to back up? What data that is hard fact, something you can kind of hold in your hand? Or at the very least, something that's consonant with human nature, which is what most neo-Marxist progressive beliefs today are completely at odds with basic human nature. 
Man, that was a lot of lot of labels you threw out there. Basic, okay. Oh, but I, anyway. I, I'm, I'm holding back on labels, brother. I'm holding back. I ain't, I, I'm, I'm holding my I'm, I'm glad I, you I, are. I, I am. I hate to hit you with the mute button. <laughs> I'm holding my fire. No, I'm not talking about being obscene because uh, that's not necessary. You know, I'm, oh, I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about being. I mean, the, to the what I really want to call them, uh, and wouldn't be obscene, but mm. they certainly are neo-Marxist. They're progressive. They're radical, gender-determinate, identity ob- identity obsessed lunatics in pre- many cases. They're environmental <laughs> worshiping nuts. I mean, everything that you can think of that you can empirically argue against or epistemologically argue against, these people believe. And it's almost like rituals and sacraments with them. Mm. You know what? I, I, some, to, to a certain extent, I agree with you. I really do. To a certain extent now, not all the way and everything you just said, but a lot of it, yes, I agree with you on that. I, I really do. You just said it in a different way than I do. Well, but, the main thing that we better realize, it don't matter, no, remember, agreement is not as important as clarity. We have clarity that there is a problem, and it needs right. to be resolved and addressed honestly rather than wishing it away. And says that like, the problem in the black community today is because uh, of post-traumatic slavery syndrome and uh, 400 years of slavery and unresolved reparations. And to fix that, everything's going to be hunky-dory in the black community. No, that's not reason why. I've got to identify what the problem is if you want to fix it. Thank you. When See, we're not I, identifying I, I, with the most dishonest conversation in the United States today is when they say, let's have a real honest discussion about uh, race, because I know they don't want to have an honest discussion about race. They want to have a directed conversation about race. Certain things you're allowed to explore, other things you're not. You will only talk about these things, because if you talk about anything else, we're going to cancel you. You know what? And, and uh, you brought up that thing called race, which, you know, to me is a competition. Uh, maybe that's why it was chosen as the national word of identification. But I'm going to say ethnicity. You know, me, me and some of my um, vet buddies were talking the other day about this, and, and we're like, I, I don't get it. I, I really do not get it now in today's world why it's still such a big thing based on the color of somebody's skin. I, I really don't, you know. Even if you, even if their their sexuality is something different than yours or what have you, because we like we said, you know, once we're over young in overseas there, you know, in, in those areas, um, once bullets started flying, we didn't care about that crap. Long as you can't have my back and I had yours, we were good. You know, we come back here and all of a sudden there's a big problem between this person, this person, this group, and this group, and you're like, why? Why is it? I mean, I don't understand. And maybe because, now, Sarge, the media, you know, wants us to believe that. That way we will stay divided. And uh, <laughs> we put, we basically putting our trust in people that that have that really have no intention of doing what's good for the populace or more and more for themselves. That I mean, that's the way I see it. But I really don't feel that there really is a difference between people besides besides there's some buttholes, you know, there's some criminals, and but other than that, people are people. You know, either you like them or you don't. But to continuously just continue to to try and keep the people separated, regardless, is just ridiculous to me. And I don't but, know but why. You know, I'm, I'm, really glad, I'm really glad you said that, man. You want to know why? Because since I moved from Chicago and I moved to a 
suburb of Atlanta, well, a metropolitan area. It's not a suburb of Atlanta. It's a metropolitan area around Atlanta. And uh, the young black man I come in contact with down here are, as a rule, a rule, mind you, helpful, courteous, civil, friendly, inventive, and fun to be around. Most of the black men I met here since I've been here, and I've been here since 2009, and most of the young black men I meet, they age 17, 34, the most violent-prone, 35, the most violence-prone crime group of any race, doesn't matter what race you are, that group of young men are the ones that are most likely going to be doing the worst stuff, more likely than not. And the ones I met down here almost uniformly, as I said, friendly, helpful, courteous, civil, smart, and ambitious. I mean, and it's really a pleasure to be around them, talk to them, joke with them. You know, every once in a while I'll be able to uh, show them something or teach them something. And, you know, you go into stores, they're working in the stores, and then you ask them for a little help. They're very helpful. They use words like sir, and I mean, it's amazing. And they're not, it's not a high-class area I live in. And the same with the white people. They're, very, they're pretty much the same way as the young black men. Most people around here are helpful, courteous, civil. And, you know, and, and that's been my experience. The time I've been down here with most of And I'll tell you what, brother, brother Talk, I was jaded by my experiences in Chicago. You understand where I'm coming from? Because mm-hmm. I had yep. to, because you know mm-hmm. you you deal with an element that's doing the stuff, and you you do get jaded and you do get cynical. And it's not everybody. The problem is limited to certain areas. It's not a universal United States problem. And we keep looking at though it is, and they and these idiots in Washington D.C. want a one size fits all blanket solution when you really have to target certain areas. Mm-hmm. And even now, though, I, as I just said. The black men I met here, the young black men, are great young men, and I think they're going to do well and just be fine for themselves, wonderful. The one thing the black men is going to have to admit, that in these specific areas that are troublesome, the black community does have a wildly disproportionate share of violent criminals for whatever reason. The word I said was disproportionate. You know, when when over half the homicides in the United States are not committed by 3% of the population, because that 3% of the population, most of them aren't criminals, most of them aren't violent. It's an even tinier percentage of that. But it's wildly disproportionate to any other ethnic group. And we will refuse to face it. We don't want to even admit it to be true. When you ask the question directly, then they got to say, so why is that? All right, now we're back to the old, uh, the, the old argument. About if there were more fathers in the house, well, okay, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't know why that. Did you hear that story the other day about this brother, this pastor in St. Louis? who was a former cop. He's now a deacon in, in his church down there. He was on Laurie Ingram's show the other day, and 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 what happened was three thugs came in. Is all them armed, all got guns in their waist, man, probably to rob the parishioners and maybe do something worse to come into church on Sunday. So uh-huh. he told some of the other deacons going to lock all the doors and call the coppers. And in the meantime, this wonderful black man, I swear to God, now this is the kind of black man I remember, black man with guts and grace. You hear, what I'm, you hear where I'm coming from? This kind of black man I knew growing up. This pastor reminded me of these kind of black men. He got up to these young men and started preaching the word of the Lord to them. Tell them how it was, you know, how, what their souls were in jeopardy, and then they didn't do all this. And they had a dialogue with him going back and forth, but he was stern. He made it clear it was Jesus Christ that was going to be the redemptor and the Savior. 
okay? Mm. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the cops came in, arrested these guys. They've been wanting a couple other robberies because they had the identification and a couple distinctive tattoos on them on their hands and their necks. And they were identified as suspects as a couple other armed robberies. But what enabled this man, I don't know whether you call it a coincidence, a quirk, a God's miracle or whatever, these men didn't pull out their guns and start shooting or threatening people. They listened to this black man. Hmm. His charisma and his presence, he was so powerful. You Because somebody was videotaping it while I was in there. And you could see from when he was talking to Laura Ingram, this pastor is talking, and you say, this guy, whatever else he is, he's a charismatic, powerful person who probably, through sheer person, force of personality and personal courage, swayed these young men. And they just were helpless to, to do it. And, and if you want to look up the story, is where you go. Go to New York Post, and the man's name is Marquello Putrell. And he's a former police officer and a pastor of the all-creation Northview Holiness Family Church in Ferguson, Missouri. And he foiled this attempted robbery on February 12, 2023, with prayer. And you can see him talking to these young black men, and they just sitting there listening to him. The power of his voice and his courage and his grace and his presence. Uh, 100% all-man black man, man. That's why I loved it. I loved it. We put those kind of men back in the family. I'm telling you, you don't think there's going to be a significant change in the fortunes of young black men in the community? Yes, there will be. There is no better police officer for a young black man beginning to feel his testosterone and is, and is coming into his puberty than a lovingly authoritative black father. There is no better police officer than that. Hmm. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I agree with the black father part. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I don't know about the policeman part because I wasn't a policeman. I was a soldier. No, no, so I think for that young man, for that young, oh, for that young man, man, there's no better okay. police officer for that young man. Oh, okay. The best police so, officer for a young man is a lovingly authoritative father. Okay. I had parents, Any but okay. Young black man. All right. Any so young man. Let's move on real quick. Since I got you on here, let's go on and talk about this student loan thing. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court, they should be making a ruling on it here in the next couple of months. They heard arguments earlier this week. And, um, you know, the, the dis- different justices had, you know, they little bit of opinions that they wrote on it. But, you know, they haven't made a decision yet, of course. They'll be meeting back and forth here throughout to talk about it and come up with a final decision. But now, knowing, probably knowing what you're about to say, do you think this uh, 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 student loan forgiveness thing is a good plan or is there another alternative? Because apparently the Biden administration, if they lose this, they have no other alternative to this so-called political promise that they made. he made. So do you think this is a good uh, thing to do? Or, and if not, what is a better alternative? Well, there are good things that could be both illegal and unconstitutional to do. The Supreme Court's job is simply to resolve whether or not a particular policy or law is legal or un- uh, uh, illegal and or constitutional. That's all it's there to do. It's not there to decide whether it's good or bad, really, not in the strictest sense. Although, I mean, that's a consideration. But clearly this plan, whether it's good or not, is unconstitutional. He has no authority to do it under the Constitution. He has no legislative grant from the Congress, 
in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And the Congress, according to the Constitution, at least though it's binding on the states, is they have no authority to impair contract law. Now, these contracts were voluntarily entered into by these students who have these loans. And for the federal government to forbid them and then to place the onus on the taxpayer, many of whom are going to be blue-collar workers who didn't get college loans, who had to finance their way through technical schools, plumbing school, auto mechanic school, truck driving school, uh, steam fitter school, whatever. You know, uh, you know, um, you know, hairdressers or whatever. To put that onus on the taxpayers to pay for people now who in many cases are graduates, they had graduate degrees, and are still mired in debt with worthless degrees that they can't make a living with, is not only unconstitutional and illegal, it's immoral. It is almost demonically evil. It should not pass. I hope he loses or doesn't. I mean, now, what is the alternative? I'll tell you what I think the alternative ought to be. Okay. These colleges who have put these, mired these people in debt, with many times degrees ain't worth how much the paper that they're worth on, with that written, printed on, these, with these fantastically enormous endowments, tens of billions of dollars, Yale and Harvard and Princeton and all these others, they got endowments that are just enormous, that they waste on progressive causes and everything else to make the world a worse place to live in. They ought to take some of that money and forgive some of their own student loans, some of their own student uh, loans that, that that they gave, that they administered and had done under the agencies of the federal government. That, to me, is a much better solution, a much more equitable problem, and something to do. But they don't have the decency to do it because all they want to do is virtue signal. Mm. They're despicable. <laughs> I agree with that part of it. I agree with that part. So I'm just saying, hey, if they don't do the right thing, these these colleges they get all this money sitting up in endowments, man. From you know, from alumni and elsewhere, and federal grants and everything mm-hmm. else. Why can't mm-hmm. they do a great or a great deal of forgiving all the student debt? Why they got to shove it off on the taxpayers? Now GIs get their student loans because they earned it frequently with their blood, if nothing else, with their time. Even sitting up in some lonely outpost in Alaska as a supply clerk bored to death, but ready to do what you have to do when the country calls on you to defend it. So every GI who was honorably discharged earned their college degree, and that's a small subset of the population. Now we're talking about doing it for hundreds of thousands of people. It's going to cost billions, tens of billions of dollars. It's wrong. Uh It's wrong. It's wrong. I hope this administration loses because, once again, it's pandering to people they think are their base. You know what, Sergeant? When you put it like that, when you put it like that, I, I can I can see that point. I really can. You're right. However, you know there were some colleges, universities, so quote unquote, uh, like uh, let's see, I think one of them was Kaplan, American Intercontinental. Uh, oh yeah, let's not forget Trump U, uh, and a couple of others that you know were actually found to have overcharged or. You know, yeah, overcharge to suit students as far as loans and stuff like that. So what what about those individuals? And it's only twenty thousand dollars. I mean, really, it's only twenty thousand dollars per student. I'm trying to understand how you say anything. I mean, <laughs> overcharging something is literally what the market shows. I mean, look, I just bought a new shotgun. I was shotgun I wanted to buy because 
Well, I wanted to buy this Benelli M4 shotgun, but I didn't buy them because it's too damn costly. I didn't, I didn't pay all that money for no damn shotgun, like $1,800 for a shotgun. Well, there's a Turkish company called Panzer Arms that makes a clone since the patent is off it now, so anybody can manufacture it there's no more patent on it. And it's an identical clone. And they wanted $450 for it. And I read all the reviews on it, and it functions just as well. The workmanship seems to be good enough. functions just like this $2,000 shotgun. I bought it, took it to the range, put 300 rounds through it with no problem whatsoever. It worked flawlessly. And I paid $450 for it. So it's what the market will bear. Now, Benelli's been asking $2,000 for a shotgun forever and getting money for it. But, I mean, it, 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 the only question is, I don't know how you really overcharge for something. You put something out at a price, and the consumer decides whether or not they want to pay the price for it, like I did. I wasn't going to pay that much money for a Benelli shotgun, but I'd pay it for a Panzer Arms shotgun. does the same thing, made the same way. The parts are the same. They interchange. In fact, when I wanted to customize it, I ordered parts for a Benelli M4 shotgun, and they fit perfectly. Okay. So it is the same gun for a lower price. Maybe the metallurgy might be a little bit less good, but I'm not going to be using as heavily duty as a Marine and Fallujah. Okay. So, you know, fine, it's fine. So I don't know how you really overcharge or something. You charge a price, and the consumer decides whether or not they're willing to pay the price for it. Okay. That's what free market does. Free market, you got... You got and choices other than Trump University. I mean, if you don't want to go to Trump University, you go to another place. They don't have higher tuition. Well, there's no more Trump University anyway. But I, I, no, I, look, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to put it this way. I'm, I'm going to put it out. My, my point of view is student loans are a big fraud anyway. Because what they try to do, they tell you, okay, we're going to give you a loan for four years, blah, 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 blah. But are they already plan to keep you there for at least six unless you go year round. Okay, if you just go to regular terms, you know, and take some off, what have you, it's going to take you at least six years because the first three is going to be full of crap that you really don't need anyway. And as you mentioned before, then you get out there in the world with this, this so-called piece of paper that's supposed to get you this great job, and you ended up working at uh, McDonald's flipping burgers because that's the only place to get hired, you know. So I, I think it's a big fraud anyway. Now, if they're going to do it, okay, let's do it like this. Stop charging interest on it. What you borrow, you pay back. You, you see what I'm saying? Stop charging the interest on it. Because that's where a lot well, of people get into debt is because of the interest that's added to it. The well, interest it sometimes is more than the interest loan. I'm, I'm, I'm for any solution, really, that is legal and not fraudulent and doesn't pass the burden on to the taxpayer. I mean, I'm for anything that will relieve someone's debt. If you got two parties that come to agreement on it, because remember, it's a contract. You're obligated right. to sign a contract, exactly. man, even a bad contract. And as long as it's legal, you're obligated to pay it back. So you and get the parties on both ends of the gonna, contract, see what, what you can resolve, and let them come to an amicable solution. That goes back to um, what I was saying earlier about Brittany. Regardless of how you look at it, she created, she committed a crime, and you just said it. Regardless, it's still a contract. Now, if you could prove, you know, that you were, you know, led wrongly into a contract, maybe you have a fight. Uh, but I, you're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. It's a contract. And we know how, you know, contracts are. But in the same thing, you know, if, if you're going to charge me, give me a loan, you know, 
and I know this. This is how the system works. For every loan, they're gonna have so much interest. Sometimes it's astronomical, unless you got this so-called perfect credit that they look for. You know, then it's not so high. But if in the end, I'm I'm gonna pay you more interest than I my actual loan was. Then yeah, I think something needs to be done about that. You know. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, okay, I mean, look, there's such a thing as usury, and I suppose that if it falls, runs afoul of usury laws, then, yeah, you've got an actionable case there. But I'm just assuming within the normal range of high interest rates. No, you don't have an action just because you have to pay a lot of interest on it. Um, look, uh, I'm, look, I'm all for negotiations. People can't resolve that. They go and get in touch with their creditors and, they ask for a break, and a lot of times creditors will give you a break. It's happened to me when I was hard up on a, yeah. a contract I had. I didn't just disregard the contract. I went and said, look, I can't make this. Can we make a deal on this? And they would generally come offer me terms knowing that it's better for me for them to settle, uh, you know, uh, this way rather than me going to complete default. And right. they give you a break on something. It's, 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 you'd be surprised at the break you can get on some of this stuff. And both parties come out at least – somewhat whole, but they don't want to do that. They want the federal government, and Joe Biden's all too happy to step in with the power and the authority of the Leviathan federal government to resolve something he ain't got no authority to do in the first place. And that's what really angers me. You know what, though, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because I do believe a lot of times when these guys make certain promises like that right there, I really believe a lot of times they're making these promises knowing there's no way in the heck it's going to happen, you know, ever to give the perception that they tried and, yeah, you see what happened, you know, that's what they do. But, I, yeah. <laughs> well, can we have a discussion on the fact that the purpose of the Constitution, and i got to keep stressing this to people all the time, they hate to hear this because they want – government to be a deuce is machina to drop above from the heavens above and resolve all the problems they have in their life. The purpose of the Constitution is to restrain the powers of the government. That's the purpose of the Constitution. It's not to expand the powers of the government. It's to limit it to enumerated things that are written down. And one of them is in student loans. Now, the GI loan comes under Defense Department appropriations for people who serve. But the yeah. federal government doesn't have any authority to give out college student loans. And what provision in the Constitution they get the authority to do it in the first place? None. <laughs> they just aggregated the power into themselves. That is a fact. You're right about that one. And so, you know, I, I, about it. See, uh, how can you have a government that can just seize authority into itself whenever it feels like doing it? What's to stop them from taking anything you got? In fact, that's what a lot of them are thinking now. You don't well, need to own anything anyway. You can own nothing to be happy because we'll provide you with everything you need to have. <laughs> and no more your carbon footprint uh, won't be too big. That depends. That depends. That depends on where you are and who well, you, you know, follow. So, you know, we don't want you to have that big carbon footprint. Why do you think right now that they're that, – that what's going on? Do you see, have you seen what's going on in South Africa? One of the reasons that South Africa is going to hell is two reasons. Number one, they're run by a bunch of Marxists from the ANC. Every single president since apartheid ended has been a Marxist from the African National Congress. Every single one of them. Number two, the second reason is because of this Green New Deal environmental thing that's causing them to cut down their energy production and their electricity use, among other things. 
because they don't want Africans to have that big carbon footprint that everybody else in the world does. Oh, no, you can't have them poor little Africans out. They don't need that. No, no, no. They don't need air conditioners and internal combustion engine-driven automobiles and all the things that are made because Mother Earth needs saving, don't you know? You don't think Mother Earth needs saving? You don't think Mother Earth needs saving? Not from us. It'll take care of itself. And then I don't think anthropogenic global warming is in any way significant. Even they say, I'm looking at what they say. I got got a book on this, and they were talking about what what the climate needs to be done. They say that man caused, this is their argument, not mine. Their argument is that man caused anthropogenic activities lead to 4% of the global warming in the Earth today. And they say that's the tipping point between global warming or not. 4%, according to their argument that we contribute to environmental warming. 4% that is natural and always occurred throughout the Earth's evolutionary history. You've always had climate change. That is a constant throughout the Earth's history. Remember, they were growing grapes in Greenland just a 1,000 years ago. They were growing white-ed vineyards in Greenland a 1,000 years ago. It was that warm. Now it's, the cold, it's too cold to go grapes in, 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 in Greenland. And you think that's it's always just... been the case. But they're saying we accelerated with our activities, particularly since okay, so... the industrial age started in 1750. I mean, look at the weather we have in, the, in this country this week. You know, some places are getting snow. They haven't gotten snow in years. The, the, the wild variation in temperature changes. One day is okay. 30 degrees. Next day is 80 degrees. You know, in the same place. And you're looking like, okay, is there some logic to what they're talking about? If you just look at what's happening on a daily basis weather-wise, you got to say something is going on. It's not just Mother Nature correcting itself. It's so just and, so then we're saying that in order to correct this, this co- correlation, this causation without correlation, or correlation without causation, I even want to look at it. In order to correct this, we need to upend the economies of the entire world, completely throw everything into chaos in a short time frame of 10 years or 20 years, and completely upend everything. I'm not buying it. No way. No way. Even if it was true, I wouldn't buy it. I don't believe it's true. But didn't we just do that with COVID, the, the COVID thing, when they shut down the whole uh, world? And we haven't learned our lesson. <laughs> So wait, we did. Yeah, we just did it. Now all the harm it caused is coming out. Higher suicide rates, massive depression among children, children with lowered learning expectations by factors of magnitude, uh, businesses ended, disrupted, gone forever. Uh, people actually dying in some cases, being impacted more by the evidence is increasingly showing they were adversely harmed more by the vaccine than they would have been by the disease itself. I mean, every kind of adverse. I mean, look at that. Even these lockdown fools with Randy Weingarten, these other dummies. Oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. The mask mandates didn't work. The, the loss of personal liberty, and we didn't learn anything. Good God, everything. You realize that every single major thing, the CDC, Dr. – I'm not going to say his name because you have to mute me. Well, I'm oh. not the way I want to say it. I said Dr. Fauci. Uh-huh. Everything Dr. Fauci did and all these others did is now just about to 100% been proven to be wrong, incorrect, adverse, or downright destructive. I mean, we haven't learned anything yet. There wasn't anything they said they were right about. 
including the origin of the thing now it looks like. You got the energy department saying, yeah, it was made in the lab in Wuhan. <laughs> Joe Biden's <laughs> energy department. Hmm. Oh, man, I hope we learn lessons. At some point in life, you've got to say, look, okay, you make a mistake. Okay, everybody makes mistakes. I know I've made a bunch. I should be a millionaire, but I've been screwed up so much. I, okay. It's all my fault. Racism and nobody else's fault. It's my fault. It's my lack of judgment. I have nobody to blame but myself. So, I mean, okay. I've been introspective enough to look at it and say, okay, that's it. Now, right. we look at things like COVID. We look at things like the the, 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 the defund the police policies. COVID. So at some point, are we going to say, haven't we learned a lesson? We look at Afghanistan and Iran and say, maybe we should think twice about this thing in Ukraine. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on. When are you going to learn a lesson when it beats you upside the head? Let's go on and be honest. It's not about it's not about um <laughs> learning anything. It's about trying to maintain control of what <laughs> now that's what it's all about. Let's be honest with you uh, about that. I keep banging you know, myself in the head with this hammer because it feels so good when I stop. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I exactly. prefer to try another method. Okay. <laughs> I think we all would at this point. You know, if, and that's because, no, they didn't learn it. We didn't, we did not learn anything from the so-called COVID thing. We didn't learn a thing. Nothing. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, those of us who see the mistakes that were made and see the same stupid people trying to do the same stupid things again, like this idiot Victoria Newland and Anthony Blinken and this other guy, uh, I forget this guy's name, Jerome Summer other. Who, who engineered the uh, Euromaidan coup in Ukraine in 2014 and led to a great deal of the chaos that led to the war in Ukraine right now, the same people are trying to rush us headlong into World War III. The same people who caused the mess in 2014. Working with the Isn't State it? Department. They're like, yeah, we definitely don't learn anything by listening to these, these, these god-awful people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they're going to destroy, right, so- and then, I know Ukraine is a corrupt country and all that. I know I'm digressing a bit, I, but I know Ukraine is a corrupt country and all that it is. But they are willing to destroy Ukraine so they can maintain Ukraine as a laundromat for their ill-gotten goods. That literally is what Ukraine is to these people, many of these people, not all. I'm not talking about people that are misled and idealistically believe that continuing this war in Ukraine without trying to get them to come to a negotiated settlement is something that has to be done on principle. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the ones who are engineering it. Okay. It was Joe Biden's laundromat. He was using it to launder money. The Democratic National Committee was using it to launder money. We know now from the Sam Bankman Freed thing with the cryptocurrency scandal, the FTX, yeah. they were using it to launder money and donations and using Ukraine as a cutout. Lots of countries in, in the world use Ukraine as a cutout. That's why it's so corrupt. And that, I think that some extent they want to keep that country. And Russia doesn't want – I don't believe Russia wants to take the whole damn country. They want to take the eastern breakaway provinces of Lugansk and Donetsk. Why? They want the whole thing. And plus, you got to remember back in 2014, if they did all that mess, the Ukrainians were shelling those areas. Something like 20,000 people had been killed since 2014 by combat and – and and, well, and, and crimes committed against Russian okay, ethnic in those regions. Why, why does Russian want those specific parts, though? Why? Huh? 
Why do, do okay, again, those again, again, remember what happened in 2014? The Euro protests, remember? Okay. Remember how that all started? You had this, they had the president at the time was popularly elected, as popularly elected as you could be in a country as corrupt as Ukraine. So I'm not disregarding that. Don't get me wrong. Right. But he was friendly to Russia. Okay? Okay. Russia, the people who want to keep Ukraine as a personal laundromat, knew that this president would not be as amenable to the schemes they want to do to keep a sovereign country. When you've got a sovereign country, you can use a laundromat. That's a big deal, you know? When you've got a sovereign country, mm-hmm. think of the power of any sovereign state, even the Vatican, which ain't really got no army. Right. But they all, <laughs> they're sovereign. They've got diplomatic protocols, diplomatic passports, diplomatic pouches, diplomatic recognition. They can buy anything on the world market anybody's willing to sell to them. It's a big deal. So this president that was there, I believe his name was uh, Yevashenko. Yevashenko, he was friendly to Putin and Kremlin. He would not. He mm-hmm. would have not allowed NATO to expand into into the Ukraine. Now, now you gotta remember, get... think for a minute now if we, we had. Well, think what happened during the 1960s when 90 miles off our coast. Russia was trying to put nuclear missiles into Cuba. What was our reaction? And I think it was quite proper for us to do what we did. Now, think, Ukraine is right on their border. It has always been a part of Russia throughout its existence, practically, except for one 20-year period in its history, uh, other than the fall of the Soviet Union. Uh It's always been a part of Russia. It's always been a province of Russia. Right. And, 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 you know, and, and here they are. NATO's think of expanding right up to the border of Russia. Russia is a country, by the way, and the Soviet Union was invaded by the Allies after World War One. in case you didn't, weren't aware of it. They were trying to crush Bolshevism in its cradle, which I wish they succeeded, but they didn't. But nonetheless, Russia does have a paranoia about that kind of thing, especially after, you know, Hitler made a pact with them, a non-aggression pact, and still almost forced them to wage an existential struggle for the very survival. They're right. kind of kind of paranoid. And here NATO's <laughs> expanded right up to their borders, and they've already taken over alliances with all these former Soviet socialist republics. All the Baltic states are in NATO now. Czechoslovakia is in NATO. Poland's in NATO. Hungary's in NATO. <laughs> Come on. And Putin's now. saying, okay, and not only that, you've got, you got these Russian ethnics being attacked and threatened and shelled and killed by the thousands in these breakaway republics who eventually decided they had enough and they want to break away. There were other factors involved, too, but that was the main one. And a lot of them are flat-out allied with Nazis. They have Nazi sympathies. So, you know, I mean, look, you add all that up. I, look, I'm not saying he was right in doing what he's doing. I think he was wrong to invade. But right now what needs to be done is to have a negotiated settlement. And this administration killed it back in March. They might have been able to force Zelensky to come to the table and hammer out a negotiation with Russia. Russia was open to it. This is two months after they invaded. But yeah, guess who killed that? Senile Joe. Or the, or the puppeteers who pull his strings. I agree. Yeah, you know what? With, with, as far as this situation and the real reason, I agree with you 100%. You are absolutely right. I've been telling people that, <laughs> you know, but no, you know, you can only say, 
You can only say it so long. All right, so we need to get up out of yeah, here, man. Yeah, and this war is pretty brutal, too, man. I mean, this, you got to understand, this ain't like fighting goat herders in Afghanistan. This no. is a conventional war. I'm talking about, like, this is World War II scale and intent. Well, not quite scale, but intensity, certainly. We're talking about all the major supporting arms, combat arms, armor, infantry, artillery. I'm talking about heavy artillery, air support, air defenses. We're talking about duration talking about armies that are conventionally equipped. This is World War II-type warfare. This is the big league stuff. And it's killing people by the thought. Russian, Ukrainian casualties are horrific. I'm talking about their military casualties. They're like 7-1 against the Russians. They're not telling you that. Talking about, oh, the Ukrainians are winning. No, they're not. Right now, they're being beaten. They're being ground down in a hamburger meat grinder war of attrition. And they're not going to win it if it keeps going like this. They're going to get crushed. Well, we'll see. Eventually, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We, I'm interested in who's going to keep jumping in, though, and supporting. But we'll see. We have to get out of here, man. we we almost over. Hey, so hey, so we the last one, did, did you hear these rumors? Well, not, they're not rumors. Seymour Hirsch, the well-regarded leftist correspondent who exposed Milai and uh, uh, Chernobyl, and uh, he wrote about, I believe, that thing in – uh, Three Mile Island, all that. He's always been on the left, progressive uh, uh, journalist. He he has accused the United States of destroying the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Now, I know you've heard of that, haven't you? Yes, I have. He gave a, a report, great specificity and detail, involving NATO exercises in the Baltic Sea with Norway and Finland and a couple other countries. And they say they use that as cover to blow up the Nord Stream pipeline. Remember, you got Biden on record and a couple other State Department officials like Victoria Nuland again. There's that evil wench again. You got them up there publicly saying the Nord Stream pipeline will not continue if uh, Putin invades Ukraine. And that caused the greatest environmental disaster ever in the Baltic Sea. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's certainly posited solid evidence that it may be so. And now that Russia's asking, remember the Security Council, remember, Russia is a member of the Security Council. They are asking the United Nations to investigate it. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, well, what hey. would that mean? Think of the implication for it if it's proven that it was. That means the United States has conducted an act of war not only against Russia, but against Germany and all the European countries that need that oil. We committed an act of war against our own allies if this is true. And you'll be surprised because? <laughs> uh, well, the audacity of it. <laughs> and it showed that this corrupt crowd in the White House might need to cover his butt that badly. I, I wouldn't even be surprised about that. And actually, I would think you'd probably go back um, multiple, and when I say multiple, I mean multiple um, administrations. I really do. But, you know, we'll see. Well, like we'll I said, if there's, no, if, there's, you know, if there's evidence, I don't care where the chips fall. If you got evidence to corroborate it and back it up, let the truth come out. The historical record is always important to be corrected. But right now we got a problem in Ukraine that could involve World War III, and I, for one, don't want to fight this. I have no desire whatsoever to see this country get bogged down in a war that we're not even ready for. We're not ready for it no way other than with nuclear weapons. Yeah, that's another. I don't, I don't want it at all. I don't want to have anything to do with this. Yeah, that's a whole other animal right there. All right, Sarge, I'm uh, getting out of here, man. Uh, I guess you just said all well, you're going to see. Good to you there, Mr. Tom.
talk. I hope I give you food for thought. I hope you look into that situation with the Crime Prevention Research oh, Center. You. you can guarantee that. <laughs> right, look into it. Yeah. You'll That'd find it compelling if you don't agree with it. Yeah. I, I, like I said, it, when, when I found it out, I'm going to come back on the air. I'm going to say what I found out. I'm going to say, yep, Sarge was right. Uh, no, Sarge didn't get it all right. Oh, yep. Okay. <laughs> hey, I, I, if I'm wrong, I admit I'm wrong. I don't know at all. That's why I go ahead and, you know, go ahead and, and do what I do. That's why it's called research. You have to look yeah. it up, all right? Yeah, you know, you, look into, uh, you can look at the fact that uh, look all these counties that don't even report a single homicide a year. I know they're not as sparsely and not as heavily populated as Cook County is, but still, you would, you know, I remember I'm excluding suicides now. I'm talking about homicides. Right, right, homicides. right. Correct. Correct. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. I know the difference. All right, Sarge. Thank you for hanging out with me today, man. And I'll see you next week, hopefully. It's all good. I'll look for you and we'll see what we can chat about. All right. Be good, Sarge. Still in. All right. All right. So, that was, hey, man, that was good right there. Hey, uh, Pianki, I saw you in the chat room. Thank you. And everybody else listening uh, that was listening that I didn't get to acknowledge, thank you as well. Uh, we're going to get on out of here. We ran over. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we should be back here next Thursday. God <clears throat> uh, willing, at the same time, 3 p.m. Central Time. All right? Uh, this, I am Mr. Talk. You've been listening to the talk with Mr. Talk. And, uh, yeah, this has been fun. We're going to go and do some research, and we're going to come back with some information for you and some new topics to talk about for that day anyway. <laughs> for that day. Um. So just remember, my email is ericletz, L-E-T-S, talk at gmail.com. In case you want to send me anything after today's show, I'd be more than willing to look at it and respond to you. Or if you have any ideas for a topic that you, uh, you want me to talk about, bring that on, too. I got you. All right? So without further ado, I'm going to play this little 54-second clip for you. And it's very interesting, actually. And I just want you to think, as you listen to this, um, people that's supposed to be representing us interesting for sure all right just remember keep smiling show appreciation forgive with open heart but make sure you're forgiving yourself first and the biggest best thing learn to laugh at yourself you can laugh at yourself everything else is just groovy all right so here it is this clip is called this that's our government listen now and he said dad guess what is it is it nba or nfl 36 have been accused of spousal abuse Seven have been arrested for fraud. Nineteen have been accused of writing bad checks. One hundred and seventeen have directly or indirectly uh, been bankrupted at least two businesses. Three have done time for assault. Seventy-one, I repeat, seventy-one cannot get a credit card due to their bad credit. Fourteen have been arrested on drug-related charges. Eight have been arrested for shoplifting. 21 currently are defendants in lawsuits, and 84 have been arrested for drunk driving in the last year. How many of you think NBA? How many of you think NFL? Well, the answer is neither. It's the 435 members of the United States Congress. 